Welcome back to the B2B Founder Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Trainer. Startup fundamentals, what are they? These are the key activities or steps that need to be completed before any startup can scale. These are especially important if you're going to be taking on capital. If you're familiar with the podcast, you know that I feature B2B founders that have successfully scaled their businesses beyond two key thresholds, a million dollars and 10 million in annual revenue. We focus on their journey, specifically digging into the tactics and strategies that allowed them to scale beyond their networks. I also invite subject matter experts to share their perspectives and best practices in three key areas, growth strategies, process, and people. What we don't talk a lot about is the fundamentals that allowed them to get to the point of scaling their business. So I thought today I would share with you the checklist that I use to make sure that the startup fundamentals are covered and the activities have been answered and verified. So if you're a company that's just starting out or in the early stages, these stages are meant to be progressive. However, if you're already established but stuck, go back and complete the activities that you have not done for your business. And what I want to do today is break them down into basically four key buckets. As I mentioned, there's 10 specific questions you need to be able to answer. Uh, it's actually now 10 plus one, and I'll cover why I've added an 11th checklist box, if you will, to make sure that, that startups are ready to grow. So if you're ready, let's, let's dig in. So the first two are really around your company, right? And the first being the company vision and objective. What is it that you want from your company, right? Is this going to be a solo brand, a solopreneur, if you will, or do you want to build a big company that employs, you know, a hundred people or a thousand people? I think it's really important to document and write down what your objectives are for the business. And it could be, you know, your first step is, hey, I want to build a million dollar business. I want to build a $10 million business, or it could be a people size. But I think if you don't write it down, then you're not really driving towards any objectives. Same with the vision. You know, what is the vision for this company? No reason why you can't pivot after you get up and running and start to grow. But I think it's important to document this to make sure that you're driving towards something. Part two, what I would call the second box, you know, is around company risk and restraints, right? So if you're bootstrapping this business and you've got $1,000 to grow it, you're not going to be able to do some of the things maybe from a marketing perspective and or hiring folks initially, but, and it also could be outside. It could be the industry and there could be regulations if you're in healthcare, financial service, or working with the government. I think it's really important to document, you know, what are the risks and restraints. So make sure that those do align right with the company vision objectives and the risk and restraints that, you know, you can build the business that you want based on, you know, where you're at today. So those are the first two, not too hard, could take you a little bit more time than you think it will. But the next two, three and four, really dig into the core of what your business is. A lot of people think that, hey, we'll start with company objectives or business, but really I like to drill down in at the product level because at the end of the day, you're solving customer problems and you're doing that at a product. You may have multiple products, but at the end of the day, your company isn't solving those problems. These products are solving the problems. So first thing I ask my companies to do or folks that I work with is really identify the pain points and customer pain points that your solution or product is going to address. 
right? Is this going to make their business and job easier to do? It's really about time, time savings or money savings, or ideally both, you know, with what the pain points are. So really understand the pain points that you're solving for customers and then think about it from a, how do I message this? Too often, too many companies just list features and benefits on their website and really don't talk about how they solve the problem and what the outcome looks like. Most customers, when they're Google searching or doing research on your company or product, you know, they want to see what the outcomes are. It's important that you can identify and articulate why your company or product is different, but that still the major question you need to address is, you know, what problem am I solving for the customer and what is the outcome if I solve this problem? You know, it sounds simple in theory, but when you start to go dig in and start to document this, it's going to take you a little bit more time. And if you cannot articulate, you know, how you solve that problem, you know, stop there until you can figure that out. You know, part two of that then becomes, you know, what is your messaging for each of your products, right? So, cause this will be, when you're the founder, it's very easy for you to have a conversation with prospective customers and clients and be able to, you know, share your enthusiasm of how and what your product does and the problems that it solves. You start to grow, you've got to be able to have that messaging, you know, both online and offline as buyers become more sophisticated and want to do their own research, you better be able to tell your story and your product story online without, you know, kind of the human, human aspect of it. You know, number four in the checklist is, you know, what are the value drivers for your solution? And the way I like to think of it, it is a super simple level is the problems you're solving for the customer, which we talked about, how you solve them, how you solve them differently. This gets into your differentiation. Too often people look at how do I solve it better? Better is really hard to define and prove to potential customers. So different is the ideal. And then do you have the proof points to show, you know, how you are different in solving those problems? So I think if, you know, those are the four first four boxes, and those are really important, especially with the pain points and then the value drivers. If you can't answer that, take time, stop, go back and dig in and make sure that you can, can clearly articulate that. All right, so those are the first four. We'll go back. Vision objectives, company risk and restraints, customer pain points, and product or solution value drivers. Again, this becomes the core of your messaging and company messaging, okay? So next, we want to be able to do, you've articulated how you solve it differently. You've identified the customer pain points in the marketplace. What now I highly recommend is, you know, take a look at the competitors in this space. What are they doing? What is their messaging? How are they solving the problems differently? Take a look at their pricing. It's really important to understand what your competitors are doing, not to copy it, but in order to differentiate from them. You want to be able to tell a unique story that allows you to stand out and cut through the noise. So take the time, do a deeper dive on your competition and understand what they're doing. Once you've done that, then I highly recommend picking a single vertical to dive into, right? It's really important that you can articulate the value that you have with your product and how that ties into a specific vertical. Because what I've found, and it's become even more important over time, if you don't speak the language of the industry of the vertical, for example, you know, lawyers and, or if you're in the SMB space, roofers, or in the government, if you can't speak the language of the customer, you're gonna have a really hard time selling your product or solution even if it is better than anything that's out there in the market. So 
I always like to pick one industry or one vertical, get really good at it, and then expand into other verticals. But my key takeaway from there is to make sure that you can speak the language and articulate how that problem's being solved in that industry or vertical. And then last one of, of this section is how big is the market, right? So if this ties back to your vision, I want to build a $100 million company, is there enough people in this marketplace that have the problem, right, that you can solve? You know, if there's only 10 people on earth that have this problem and you're only charging $2,000 for it, you're not going to get where you need to. So this is really about doing a market sizing activity. And again, I think there's another go, no go decision in here based on what you want from your company. I'm not saying don't start it. You can build a very nice niche boutique business, but depending on your goals, understand, you know, what the market and don't fool yourself, right? You might not like some of these answers but it's going to save you a lot of time and money and effort if those don't align. So just to recap, just so we got the first, what do we got? Five, seven now. So the vision objectives, company risk and restraints, understand your customer pain points, the value drivers of your solutions or products, you know, competitive analysis, industry and vertical, and then how big is the market you're selling into? The next section of the checklist we get into is really around the key metrics and financial questions. Because at the end of the day, you have to know your metrics and you have to understand your finances. And too often, founders get caught up looking at their product and driving it, but not really understand the financial viability of the product. Uh, what I usually like to start with, especially if the customer or the, the company the founder does have a few customers and is growing, is really to break the revenue down. So this is number eight in our checklist is revenue breakdown, which is A, R, and E with the, the three, you know, the acronym basically acquisition. So A is acquisition. So these are net new customers you have coming in with new revenue. Retention is how much of the revenue are you retaining year over year? If you have a SaaS-based model or subscription model, it's easier to track that, but really important regardless of how or what your business model is to track the retention both at a customer and a dollar level. And then expansion. The E is one that is very often overlooked and is the last area of revenue growth that companies address. So again, it's acquisition, retention, and expansion. And you really want to have a strategy for each of these and understand where you're making the investments, what you need to do to optimize and maximize each of these. If you have a retention problem or you're churning a lot of customers, you need a lot more acquisition just to make up for what you lost. So again, it doesn't have to be super detailed in the early days, but track and understand each of those areas of revenue so you can put process and or strategies around each of those. Part two of this is, is really from day one, understanding key financial metrics. Now we could go deep and probably do a whole episode just on financial metrics, but I would, would start with these four. One, one is your average sale price, right? You can start to understand what pricing looks like when you sell your first you know, product or solution. And then over time, understanding you know, where that, that pricing fits, but it's gonna be important. So as you start to look at projections and looking forward, you know, you know how many sales you have to have in order to hit some of those targets. Number two within the financial metrics is cost to acquire a customer. This one is absolutely critical. And again, too many founders wait too long to understand you know, how much it's gonna cost for me to grow. And I, I like to look at this as any dollars that you're spending towards reaching, connecting with, and converting 
prospects. Too often, a lot of folks will just put the marketing dollars or a campaign run. That's what it's cost to acquire a customer. No, it's anybody that's part of that process, which would include technology in order to get a new customer sold and on board. So be honest with yourself with the cost to acquire a customer. It's usually much higher than most startups are looking at, but it'll help you, again, balance where you're going to make the investments. Part two of that is, you know, cost to retain a customer. How much does it cost you to keep a customer on board once you've sold them, they've gone through onboarding? Again, same process, track to see if you've got a dedicated customer success team or account management team, whoever's working with those current customers to make sure you're keeping them you know, long-term. And it's important, again, as you start to look of where you want to make investments, understanding what the cost is for each of those two sides of, of the equation. Again, most companies don't even think about the cost to retain a customer. I like that metric. I like that metric a lot. Again, it's going to help you balance where you make your investments as you grow. And the, the last of this, which is super critical and will change as you get more established and have more customers, is customer lifetime value. Ties back to the sales price, right? Cost to acquire. So you can see where this full equation starts to come into effect. That as you start to grow and look again, comes back to making investments if you're going to take on capital or if you're going to, again, continue to bootstrap, you're going to understand what you need to do to hit those metrics and milestones. Again, customer lifetime value for larger organizations, really hard to measure. But if you build that process and capture early on, it'll make it much easier as you scale their business. So super important. So those are the 10 that I use foundationally to make sure that companies are basically ready to scale. And if I look at an investment standpoint, if I can't get a company to be able to articulate and explain each of those in the checklist items, I'm not going to make an investment. doesn't mean it's not a good investment, but I want to make sure we go back through the exercise. And again, you can see the go, no go decision is each of these when you answer the questions. Again, sometimes you may not want to hear the answer, but it's going to make it a much more realistic approach as you start to look at is growing your company. Now, I mentioned early on that there's a 10 plus one, and the one that I've now added into the checklist, if you will, is content marketing. You've probably heard quite a bit about that. And it used to be, you know, a nice to have that if you've got time, you know, add some content marketing. It's about blog posts. It's, you know, the videos, but, you know, anymore, this has become a need to have, right? This has a cost of doing business. You have to be able to tell your story at a product level online. And again, this is going to help you differentiate, cut through the noise, but customers are doing the research. They're asking other customers or prospects and they're doing, like I said, if they can't do the basic research online of how you solve their problem uh, and tell stories about how you solve that problem, then you are not going to be able to, you're going to lose credibility with that customer. And if you get them on the phone, you might be able to swing them back, but that's why I said this is now my, my plus one is part of the checklist. 10 sounded better than 11, so I left it at 10 plus one. But content marketing really is a cost of doing business, and you need to do it starting early so people can validate what you're telling them in conversations. And ultimately, as they start to search and grow and you expand, you, know, you need the ability to do this. So again, just to recap the, the 10, 10 plus one, you know, company vision objectives is number one. Two, company risk and restraints. Three, customer pain points. Do you know what customer pain points you're solving? 
for product or solution, you know, value drivers. What is the value of your solution? The number five, five, six, and seven are all in market and competitive intelligence. So have you looked at your competitors? Do you understand what they're doing and how are you different? You know, picking an industry in vertical is, is important. That's number six and seven. You know, how big is the, is the market, right? Is there enough for you to hit your objectives? You know, the next two revenue breakdown, A, R, and E, just remember that, understand it, have a strategy for each. Key financial metrics, again, we, we started with average sales price, cost to acquire a customer, cost to retain a customer, and the lifetime value of that customer. That will give you a very clear understanding of, and that maybe not the health of your business, but where you have opportunities to improve and make investments. And last but not least is the, the plus one, which is the content marketing, right? Cost of doing business, being able to tell your story you know, online and offline. So again, this is an important exercise. And you know, as I said, you may not always like the answer, but it's critical to building the foundation for, for a scalable business. And I mentioned, I personally wouldn't invest in a business that has not completed this checklist and, you know, satisfactory complete the checklist. You can complete the checklist, but if the story doesn't make sense or it doesn't look like you can scale based on the answers, you know, still not going to invest in it. So anyway, I hope you found this episode useful. I always welcome your comments and feedback. Drop me a line if you want to get in touch. Thanks for listening. Until next week, this has been the B2B Founders Podcast.